Good morning, CDF. Second week of lockdown, and the excitement and fears of the first week are probably behind us. And I hope it has been a good time for you and your family. Uh, of course, it has its challenges and uh, concerns. Uh, but as we move forward, let us trust the Lord to take us through. Uh, sometimes when we go through such experiences, we think there is no end to it, as if we are in a tunnel that never has an end. Uh, living in Central Asia in one of the coldest uh, cities here for a few years, actually it gave me a great perspective. By the end of February and beginning of March, there will be tons and tons of ice and snow all around. You could look at it and wonder if it can ever melt down. With all human interventions, you can never um, hope to melt it down. And even if you did it, you would be damaging the environment and maybe it will take months and months. But in its season, a lot sense for the sun and within a week, everything is gone. And another couple of weeks and we see uh, life springing forth from under it. At the right time, the Lord will send uh, relief to the world. This is a time when the Lord is intervening to show His power and also His mercy. Uh, let's pray that many will draw closer to Him rather than rebel against Him during these days. Uh, many of us might be afraid of things around but the Lord is there with us. Uh, my own three siblings were hit by the virus and we thought that we almost lost one of our sisters, but the Lord was gracious to give her back to us. Last week, George was speaking about giving God his due place in our lives. And we read from uh, James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. We sort of want to build on that this week and I'm reading a couple of verses that's very familiar to all of us Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Another um, translation for I appeal, I appeal to you, would be I urge you brothers. And I think that conveys the mood of the sentence a little better. This is not a command where um, Paul is asking them to do something under compulsion, nor is it a mere request uh, they may or may not hear the advice. It's not that. It is an exhortation. He wants them to do it. He earnestly wants them to do it. But he wants them to do it out of their own volition and not as compulsion. I urge you, brothers. And um, if you look at the next portion of that, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, why is this appeal? Therefore, by the mercies of God. 
the wherefore is a question there and it actually answers that it connects back to all the 11 chapters that uh, Paul had written before. In chapter 1, he talks about the wrath of God that comes down from heaven on the unrighteous and the ungodly. Why? Because they knew the invisible attributes of God, his eternal power and Godhead, but they did not glorify him, they did not honor him, they were not thankful. It was a sin not to be thankful and honoring and glorifying him. And then they went on to worshiping um, the creation. After he talks about them, he talks about the morally good people among the Gentiles who would stand up and in judgment against the, um, the very wicked ones. They thought they were okay, they could judge the other, but Paul says, you also are in the same boat. When he comes to the Jews and says, you guys have had everything, you also received divine revelation and you had it in written form, you are also without excuse. And all the three categories are under God's wrath. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then come to chapter 3 and Paul says how God who should have poured forth his, poured forth his wrath upon men instead showed mercy by allowing, uh, by giving his son to come and die for us on the cross and by the blood of his sacrifice he was, his anger was propitiated that his anger was satisfied to everyone who would accept uh, that blood of sacrifice it would be accounted as righteousness the guilt would be counted no more and on to chapter 5 he says not only that the wrath has been removed now we also have a great hope instead of the wrath that should have burnt you up the grace of God the glory of God is beckoning us on and one day we will be sharing the glory of God instead of the wrath there is peace and there is hope of glory and chapter 6 he would talk about the fact that we are no more under the slavery of sin but we can be doing we are free to do works of righteousness and we need to submit ourselves to righteousness and chapter 7 would talk about the struggles as we try to live that life and chapter 8 comes and says you know you are not able to do it on your own but the Spirit of God is given to you, He dwells within you, and He helps you in your struggle. And those who walk by the Spirit will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And uh, it would also tell us, if you walk by the Spirit, 
you receive peace and joy and victory. The chapter closes with a great declaration. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The mercies of God that will keep us till the end and will see that we never get separated from the love of Christ. In the coming chapters, he assures us that even the nation of Israel, which had rejected him, rejected God, will experience full salvation before eternity is assured in. Now, coming back to Romans chapter 12, because of such great mercies of God that have been stated hitherto, I urge you, brothers, what does he urge them to? Was the content of the exhortation. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Present. Present is something that you give on your own volition again. Uh, when you present something, you don't go and take it back. And you know, in our relationship with God, we are a bit childish. We're almost like a toddler who loves something, takes it and goes and gives it to his mom. Then this mom, you can keep it. I love you very much, you keep it. But after 10 months, he comes and says, Mom, could I have it back though? We are the, we are the same boat. Um, we say at an emotional high, yes, we will offer ourselves, we'll give you, we'll give our bodies, we'll submit our bodies as a living sacrifice to you, and then we go against it. Uh, there's a lovely song that I used to uh, be in, I used to be singing all the time when I was a teenager, and it goes like this, Lord, I want to, I want to offer you, I want to offer you everything I have. Take my heart, Lord, make it like yours, Lord, and make me generous to you. And then it says, when I get back home and I am on my own, if I forget this my offering, just ring a bell in my heart. Wake me with a little start, and I will remember, and I will sing, Lord, I want to, I want to offer you, I want to offer you everything I have. Now, it's possible that we might forget our offering of presenting ourselves, dedicating ourselves to God, but 
Let us ask the Lord, when we forget that, he would ring a bell in our hearts, he would wake us up. And then let him go back and say, Lord, I'm yours. I have presented myself to you. I'm sorry for crawling out from the altar on which I laid myself. I'm yours. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The term bodies here uh, doesn't merely mean a physical body. It uh, means us as a whole person, our heart and mind and soul and spirit, our body and all our strength. It is to be presented to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Again, when you think of the word sacrifice, sacrifice is something uh, that's normally killed. So when we offer it, it is to remain there and it is not to, it is not to be taken back. So this command or exhortation needs to be seen as a once for all dedication, which should never be taken back. Let me repeat that. This exhortation seems to be this exhortation needs to be seen as a once for all dedication which we never take back. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's almost an irony. A sacrifice that's living. A sacrifice is usually killed and burnt at the altar, but here we have a living sacrifice. A beautiful story from David's life will help us get a sense of what it looks like in practical life. The story is in 2 Samuel 23 uh, verses 13 to 17. There were three of the 30 chief men of David. Uh, they were with him in the cave of Adullam when uh, Philistines came and took control of Bethlehem along with other places. And David in the stronghold said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. These three men loved him so much, they risked their lives and cut through the garrison of the Philistines, went and drew water out of the um, well and brought it to David. And David was so moved. He would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? Risking their lives for David. Risking our lives for the Lord. Risking our lives, our emotions, everything for the Lord. But this kind of illustration would uh, make it sound that it is a, a one-time act. But living sacrifice means not dying, as in a, a physical death, just one physical death, but living every moment for him. Um, there's a famous quote, uh, if I'm not mistaken, by Jim Elliot which uh, kind of sounds like this. Dying for Christ 
is a natural outcome of living for him. Meaning to say, if you are not living day by day, how do you say that you are going to die for him? Living our lives day by day, dying for Christ is a natural outcome of living for Christ. We want to be uh, heroic and die for the Lord. But he says, die for me every day. The sense of this exhortation comes out beautifully in different uh, verses in the scripture. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15 is one such uh, verse. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was buried, that they should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for their sake and was raised. Um, another famous verse is Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in the flesh, I do not live for myself, but by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, who gave himself for me, I live for him. Philippians 1.20 For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 3, verses uh, 8 to 11 also captures a lot of this. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, etc. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Sharing his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Counting everything as rubbish. To me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The love of Christ controls us. And uh, the life that I now live, I live for the one who died and rose up again for me. Now, the nature of the sacrifice says, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The offering of our bodies is a holy and is holy and acceptable to God and is um, our spiritual worship. Holy, we all know the meaning. Set apart. Set apart from the world. Our lives are set apart from the world and for Christ. Acceptable. The way the wicked did not honor and glorify God brought on them the wrath of God. But offering ourselves 
offering ourselves as a living sacrifice is highly acceptable to God. It glorifies Him. The word holy and acceptable we again find in, um, in the next verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, or what is holy and acceptable and perfect. Now, it's very interesting. The Lord does not take the living sacrifice and kill it, but he transforms the living sacrifice by the renewing of his mind, the mind of the sacrificed person is, is to be renewed and be transformed. Transformed into what? Transformed into the likeness of Christ. Um, the, the living sacrifice is being transformed. The root word is metamorphia, which means metamorphosis from um, uh, the process that a uh, that a larva undergoes till it becomes a butterfly. The living sacrifice, instead of being burnt up at the altar, is metamorphosed into the image of his son, restored to be God's representative, representative to rule the earth in his kingdom. This transformation takes place as one keeps himself, herself, holy, set apart from the world. <coughs> we are not to be conformed to the world. But what exactly does the word world mean? Dr. Schofield explained this sense of world in the following words. In the sense of the present world system, the ethically bad sense of the word world refers to the order or arrangement under which Satan has organized the world of unbelieving mankind upon his cosmic principles of force, greed, selfishness, ambition, and pleasure. Satan's principles, force, greed, selfishness, ambition, and pleasure. He teaches the world his principles he has arranged and organized the world system, the world of the unbelieving mankind. Many a believer fails to realize that the present world system is under the influence of the prince of the power of the power of air. The believer allows himself to be sucked fully into the system of force greed, selfishness, ambition, and pleasure. Remember First John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Transformation comes as we renew our minds by dwelling in the word of God, remaining focused on offering 
ourselves to Christ by making it our ambition to please him. Being controlled by his love, living by faith in the Son of God who loved us. The caterpillar should eat and teat, and the chrysalis should sleep and rest. The caterpillar should eat and eat the word of God. The chrysalis rest and sleep in the meditation of his word, of his person. Whether we eat or drink or do anything, we do it for the glory of God and we meditate on him. If a caterpillar before um, it is um, transformed, tries to fly, it's going to be a disaster. So also the pupa. But at the end of it, there's a beautiful butterfly that's going to fly around. And how do we get transformed into that beautiful butterfly? And we are with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Beholding the glory of the Lord. We keep beholding the glory of the Lord in the word of God. We will be changed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Now, application of the changed mindset is explained in Romans 12 through chapter 15. Uh, initially, it talks about how it will be evident in the attitude with which we serve one another with the spiritual gifts that the Spirit of God has given each and every one of us. Um, we don't have much time to go through it, but just look around in CBF. There are numerous lives that are lived here in our congregation that love genuinely, that serve selflessly, that are giving with generosity and very silently. People getting involved in the lives of the community, getting CBF and beyond. Um, if you if you but look around, you would see such lives. And you know, some of us would say, "Oh, we are doing it." But let's be uh, let's ensure that we don't get tired uh, doing good, and let us do it consistently. And let us not do it as a force of habit, but as a sacrifice to the Lord. And let's keep doing it even when times are tough, even when we are misunderstood, and even when people take advantage of us. Secondly, the changed mindset should be evident in our submission to governmental authorities. Did we know that paying taxes can be a form of spiritual worship? Did we know that submitting to authorities, honoring them and respecting them can be a form of spiritual worship? If done because we are 
submitted to the Lord without complaint, with uh, gladness doing it for the Lord. We are in spiritual worship. A couple of years back, Nate Bramson had come to a camp. He said on a deserted road, he drove at 40 miles per hour because that was the uh, speed limit. No one was looking, no cop was around. All, uh, all the other cars were just flying past and he was driving at 40 miles per hour, worshipping his creator, his redeemer. By honoring and respecting the government, uh, we truly offer ourselves as a spiritual sacrifice. Sometimes it is difficult, especially in a situation like ours, where it's democracy and we elect our leaders, and sometimes we think that, oh, this is probably not the right choice for our country. No, the Lord knows who should be over us, and he has given us the right people over us. We respect them, we honor them. Uh, doesn't matter what our perceptions were and for whom we voted. And finally, the that um, also speaks about how we can live this life uh, as a living sacrifice and expressing our love for the weak brethren who may not have as much knowledge as ourselves. So I have all the freedom to do certain things, but if I do that, another person gets scandalized and he thinks that, oh, how can this guy do that? Because uh, he doesn't understand that it is there's a freedom to do it. In which case, we sometimes uh, will give up our uh, privilege for the sake of that person. Mm -hmm. Romans 15 says, just as Christ also did not please himself. We are to, we are not to please our own selves, but please our neighbor for his good. I've talked about this before, pleasing our neighbor for his good, not that he would give us something in return, place him so that he will be built up, he will be restored, or he will be growing in the Lord. So coming back to the verses once more. So, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me start with a couple of quotes from Jim Elliot. The will of God is always a bigger thing than we bargain for. The will of God is always a bigger thing than we bargain for. But we must believe that whatever it involves, it is good, acceptable, and perfect. Another quote. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Is it a um, joyful situation? Is it a sorrowful situation? Be all there with all your body, with all your heart and mind, soul and spirit. Your strength, be there. Live to the hilt every situation. 
if you believe that to be the will of God, the will of God is always a bigger thing than we bargain for, but we must believe that whatever it involves, it is good, acceptable, and perfect. May the Lord bless us with these words. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for our church and for your word. We pray that your word will take root in our hearts. These are words that we have listened to numerous times. These are concepts that we have heard, but we pray that we will build our lives on it. That even as we thought about last week, that we will be giving ourselves up to you. We'll live our lives for your sake and we'll offer our lives as a living sacrifice at your feet. Help us to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Help us to be and we are with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God are being changed into his likeness. Thank you, Father. In Christ's precious name. Amen.